start walking Just start while I'm talking Walking up the King's Highway And you'll find a blessing You'll be possessing We're walking up the King's Highway Oh, and it's a highway to heaven None can walk up there But the purest heart It's a highway Oh, 
morning, we'll just go over a few prayer requests here. Uh, we just want to remember uh, some people there, uh, some listed, but there's a lot who are not, um, that are either traveling or away or they're sick. So we just want to remember each need there. Uh, just remember uh, Sister Jessie Cockman, who's uh, still at home sick. Uh, so we just want to remember her. Uh, we also uh, want to uh, let's see, remember uh, Sister Sarah and Brother uh, uh, Joshua John in prayer. They are uh, fighting a respiratory uh, virus. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Uh, Sister Sarah and uh, Brother Yeshua. Uh, just remember them this evening. And uh, we want to uh, remember uh, Sister Patricia O'Berry and uh, Sister Sabrina's mother. Uh, she has been in the hospital for several days with pneumonia, and there's some other complications going on, so uh, we just want to remember them. Uh, just uh, continue to remember uh, my mom, Sister Sarah Buchanan. Uh, she's still at home, not feeling well, dealing with coughing and just some side effects from where she was sick, so just remember her. And uh, also uh, remember my grandmother, uh, Sister Shirley. She's at home, not feeling well. That's all the written prayer requests that I have. Uh, just as well, remember Brother Barry, Sister Becky, uh, with the passing of Brother Fulcher. So just remember them and the family. And uh, that's all the prayer requests I have. So if you would just stand. And uh, Brother Chris, if you would come and uh, pray at this time. And any unspoken prayer requests, just by the lifting of your hand. The Lord knows those needs. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to come into your house, Lord. Lord, to hear your word, to gather together with saints of like precious faith. Father, we just ask you to come and be here with us tonight. Lord, be our guest of honor and speak to our hearts tonight. Draw us closer to you. Father, we've heard the needs that have been brought before the people. Lord, there are many that are traveling, many that are sick. Lord, even just ask that you would touch each one, help them to feel better, Lord, so that they can come back and be with us. Lord, be a comfort to those in our assembly that experience the loss of a, of a loved one, Lord. We thank of Brother Barry and Sister Becky. Pray that you'd be a comfort to them, Father. Lord, we just bring all the needs, all those spoken, those that are unspoken, Father, that are held in the hearts of your people, and ask that you would be merciful and that you'd have your perfect will in each one. Lord, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have your seats any specials this evening, so uh, we'll just sing a couple of songs before Brother Tim comes. Um, let's put it in the key of G. Let's sing that song, Only to Be What He Wants Me to Be. I think that's uh, everyone's ultimate desire, is just to do and be whatever He wants us to be this evening. So only to be what He wants me
that song, You're My All in All. So you are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure.
song make me more like thee Jesus uh, we'll sing that as uh, Brother Tim comes this evening so make me
evening. It sure is good to be in the house of the Lord again and to be with you all tonight. I um, got a call this morning, uh, maybe around 8 or 8.30 from Brother Barry, and uh, the last time he had called, I was already uh, somewhere else or already committed. So uh, when I saw the phone ring and saw his name, I said, well, he might need me to speak tonight. And so if you're surprised, well, I, I've only known it since this morning, but um, I did know that his father-in-law had passed and told him that been holding uh, him and Sister Becky in our prayers and just sent our condolences up that way. And um, <clears throat> glad for each of you that have come out tonight. I called Brother Sam on the way up. I said, you better be at church tonight. I said, it's going to be a surprise. He said, no, a little bird already told me. And he said, I'm coming. I said, well, you knew I was preaching and you come anyway. So that's all right. But uh, we just love the Lord and always feel right at home here with you all. And uh, believe that every service is ordained of God. Before there was a world, he knew exactly how all these things that many times catch us by surprise. And he plans it all and then just lets us walk into that and so uh, I appreciate the confidence Brother Barry would have to invite me into his pulpit while he's away. And uh, I just want to get out of the way and let the Lord have his way. Amen. So I'll invite you to turn with me tonight to Acts chapter 2. Uh, Brother uh, Lincoln came back there to me and said, do you, do you know your title? I said, well, I'm down to two now. So um, uh, I, I want to speak tonight on the correct translation And uh, begin reading here in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. I never feel like I... Brother Barry's really good about having his sermons all put together and PowerPoint and those things, and and, uh, that's good. I I wish many times I were more like that, but it seems like mine's more like scrambled eggs or a, a, a recipe that's still, you know, the ingredients are still getting mixed just right before it comes... Uh, right before it goes in the oven, but, um, you know, I've said this before, when Jesus uh, multiplied the fish and the loaves, um, by the time he gave it to the disciples to give out, all the preparation that needed to be done had already been done. In other words, he didn't need one adding ketchup and one adding tartar sauce and one, the disciples weren't to add anything, they were to distribute out what he had given to them and I think that's what any minister really sh- should strive to do is just let the Lord cook it all and bake it all. And we're just serving up what he prepared. And if there's any uh, good that comes or glory, it all goes to him. Amen. So, uh, you know, and I believe if we would approach every service that way, uh, we could receive from the Lord regardless of the vessel that the Lord uses. And even regardless of, of whatever's going on in the service um, we, we, that kind of faith will bring a result. So uh, I know you've come tonight to receive from the Lord, and we'll just go to him once more in prayer uh, before we read his word. Lord Jesus, you said where two or three would gather that you would be present, and we have that confidence tonight. And as we approach your word now, we ask you, Lord, to break the bread of life to our hearts. Lord, sanctify us and cleanse us. Lord, uh, set us aside now for the service that you would have us to do, and may you give unction tonight in the speaking and hearing, Lord, to receive what you would desire to minister to your children. And Lord, we thank you for the, the, the portion of your body that is gathered here tonight or those that would be watching and listening in. And we know that the Holy Spirit 
Lord is omnipresent and can go and minister to the needs both here and abroad. And we ask you to do that tonight, Lord, and bless Brother Barry and Sister Becky, Lord, and uh, comfort the hearts of the family and those, Lord, who are mourning the loss, Lord, of uh, Brother Fulcher. And we know that there's a, a glorious reunion going on on the other side, and Lord, we want to join them soon. And we pray that you'll prepare us, Lord, for that great day. We thank you for it and ask that you'll grant it now. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 8, then verses 11 through 21. Then you can be seated. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. And when, now when this was noised abroad... The multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born, Parthians, or, or excuse me, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the dwellers in Mesopotamia, and in Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And going on to verse, um, well, I just read right through it, didn't I? Let's just keep reading. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? So it, it caused... Caused a question, right? This, this is a miracle. And so others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. May the Lord bless the reading of his word and you may be seated tonight. Now, we all realize this, um, these scriptures mark the beginning of the New Testament church the church that we are a part of today by the same birth that they experienced in their inception, if you will, into the body of Christ. 
And uh, this comes as a result of Jesus' instructions to his disciples. And remember, these are disciples that had cast out devils, healed the sick. They had shared in the power that Jesus had given them, but yet he knew they were lacking something. So at his ascension, he told them, tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So they did, those 11 disciples and about, what, 119 others or 109 others, 120 total gathered in the upper room and were there, I believe it was for 10 days before what we just read happened. And so they came out, again, speaking in in tongues, but there was um, understanding in the ears and, and in those who were of other languages, other nations, other tribes, because there were perhaps hundreds represented there because the Feast of Pentecost had just taken place and they had all come in for that. And so it, the miracle was, um, was in the hearing and the fact that there was understanding. It's, it was not confusion. It was actually understanding because something was there giving understanding to men and women of other languages of what was being, what was being spoken. And so I believe it was truly a miracle, and it was representative of what God does today. When he, by revelation, amen, helps us to understand what he is saying through his word, through the Bible, through the message of the hour, through the ministries that God has placed in the earth to be the mouthpiece of God. And I will go a step farther to say, once you have been given this divine translation or translator to make the word of God understood to you it also makes you a part of the translation because your life becomes the very expression of that word and that's what Peter was saying these men aren't drunk as you suppose but this is the prophecy that was given hundreds of years before by an old testament prophet we are that prophecy lived in the earth today and so I'm, I'm going to probably go all the way to the end of what I'd like to say tonight. And we are the living message. Today, the bride of Christ in the earth is the word of God alive. She's living. She's the Bible. She's all of the uh, seven messengers that were sent to call a bride out in each age and preach the word of God. We received all of that. We believe all of that. We believe, as the prophet of God said, we have the perfect interpretation with divine vindication. And that hasn't just produced books, tapes, doctrines, ideas, theologies, and and beliefs, but it's actually produced a life. And uh, I I feel like I'm re-preaching something I preach all the time, but maybe it's it's just the essence or the very basics of of, of who we are and what we believe. But uh, to just move into what is, is on my heart tonight, I want to speak on the correct translation and um, I want to I want to share something from the church ages book that the prophet of God uh, expresses to us and he and he and and remember I I do want to say this as well the church is built on revelation and it is invincible when revelation strikes a son or daughter of God It does what it did for Peter and all those who came out of the upper room that day and reveals or opens their understanding to the word of God to again make them 
the word of God revealed. So it's not something that just happens to you. It's something that happens in you and through you. Amen. So the rest of your life here on your Christian journey, amen, you are becoming the, 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 the word interpreted. And it's, it's, it's foreign to someone who has not yet been struck by revelation or quickened. And it's foreign to those whose eyes have been blinded to what God is trying to say through his word. So the prophet of God says this. He says, no man knows the things of God save the spirit of God and he to whom the spirit of God reveals them. He says, we need to call on God for revelation more than anything else in the world. We have accepted the Bible. We have accepted the great truths of it, but it is still not real to most people because the revelation by the spirit is not there. The word has not been quickened. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that we have become the righteousness of God by our union with Jesus Christ. Did you get it? It says that we are the very righteousness of God himself by being in Christ. It says that he, Jesus, became sin for us. It does not say that he became sinful, but became sin for us, that by our union with him, we might become the righteousness of God. Oh, brother, if we accept the fact, and we must, that he literally became sin for us by his substitution for us, then we must also accept the fact that we, by our union with him, have become the very righteousness of God. To reject one is to reject the other. To accept the one is to accept the other. Now we know the Bible says that. It can't be denied. But the revelation of it is missing. It is not real to the majority of God's children. That's striking. That's really striking that a prophet would say that, a vindicated prophet it's not, the, it's not real to the majority of God's children. And I'll just say this tonight. It will become real to them. All of God's children will eventually awaken to the realization of who they are based out of what the word of God says we are. And it is a realization that draws us away from every other thing that would try to hinder or bind us from not only seeing it, but becoming it. Amen. So uh, you've heard me say this before. When God formed Mrs. Adam out of Adam's side, he, the Bible says he brought the woman to the man. And I like to imagine this, Brother Keith, like, you know, Adam was laid in the dust somewhere in the Garden of Eden and God pulled part of him out of him and took that over in another area of the garden and formed that into Mrs. Adam and then quickened her, awakened her, and led her through that garden right back to the side she came from, showing our Christian journey, right? You're born again one day, and then you spend the rest of your Christian existence here on earth learning who you really are. And all the while, you're being drawn more into the image of who Christ is. 
and you're losing an identity or you're losing something Satan is trying to project onto you and trying to remind you of your past and remind you of your faults and point out your human weaknesses and all those things. But all the while, God is drawing you, pulling you, cleansing you and and removing everything that's not him. You've heard me preach probably on the prevailing revelation how that a a sculptor brings an image out of a stone, out of a piece of rock or a, a piece of wood. And so prevailing means, amen, that what is in the sculptor's mind prevails to emerge from what was before uh, just just a nor- an ordinary object. You, you know, you walk by a piece of granite, and you say, that's a piece of granite. But a Michelangelo walks by there and says, that's a Moses. Amen. So Jesus Christ looked at you one day and said, there's one of my children. There's one of my daughters. So he's bringing out of that his own representation, amen, what he deposited there before the foundation of the world, he's bringing that, and that revelation will prevail over anything else that it ever was before. It's kind of like metamorphosis. You know, once a butterfly flies, amen, it doesn't even remember being a caterpillar. It's a complete transformation, amen. Oh, my. So God help us tonight. Um <clears throat> He goes on, he says, it is not real to the majority of God's children. It's just a good verse in the Bible. But we need to have it made alive to us. That will take revelation. Let me drop something here that will amaze and help you. There's hardly a student that does not believe that the New Testament was originally in the Greek language. All our great Bible students have said that God gave the world three great nations with three great contributions for the sake of the gospel. He gave the Greeks who gave a universal language. He gave us the Jews who gave us a true religion and true knowledge of God through the Savior. He gave us the Romans who gave us a unified empire with law and a system of highways. Thus, we have true religion, the language to express it to many peoples, and the government and roads to spread it physically. And scholars and, and historically speaking, this seems to be exactly right. And today our Greek scholars say that the Greek language of Bible days is so perfect and exact that if the student of the Greek is a refined and accurate grammarian, he can truly know exactly what the New Testament teaches. But is this not only a theory? Is it true? Is it not so that every Greek scholar of repute from one denomination debates another student of another denomination? And it is not so that their arguments are based, or and is it not so that their arguments are based on identical Greek words and identical rules of grammar? Certainly, that is the way it is. Even back there in the Pergamon age, just prior to the Nicene Council of 325, there were two great students, Arius and uh, Athenius, uh, Athanasius, I'm probably saying those wrong, and I've got a Greek name, Timotheus, but all my American friends know me as Timothy. My little claim to fame, Brother John, is Brother David Momless had a hand or had a role in me getting the middle name of Timothy instead of Lawrence, which is my dad's middle name, and I will be eternally grateful for Brother David 
for having this conversation with my parents on the way from the Adams Mark Hotel in Charlotte to wherever they were taking him to preach in 1977, the year the Lord was supposed to have returned. And I arrived January 7th, 1978, eight days after everyone knew the Lord was coming back. And he's still coming back. And I, 45, 46, I think I just turned 46. And I never believed, young people, I would be alive on the earth in 2024. 46-year-old man, still married, and now with a three-year-old daughter. Uh, I didn't think I'd live long enough to get a driver's license. I really didn't. I, I, I know I'm on a sidebar here, but I remember praying, Lord, it would be really nice to get my driver's license before you return, you know, and then Lord, it'd be really nice to get married, and oh my, so friends, and it gets sweeter as the days go by, it just gets better and better with time, but anyway, so uh, here, I got all, I got off on that, trying to say a Greek name, there were two great students, Arius and Athanasius, who became locked in doctrinal combat over a Greek word, so intense and so worldwide, did their debate become that historians said the world was divided over a diphthong, the sound of two vowels in a single syllable. Now, if the Greek is so perfect and so ordained of God, why was there such a dispute? Surely God did not intend us all to know the Greek. Right today, we are having arguments over the Greek. And for the sake of time, I'm going to skip forward a little bit. And he says, How, however, before we get too concerned about this, let us read both the King James Version and the translation by Dr. Lamza. To our gratification, we find the words in both amazingly the same so that there is no difference actually in content or doctrine. We may even conclude, I like this, that God has allowed these newly discovered manuscripts and recent publications of already known scripts to come before us to prove the authenticity of what we already had. And we find that though translators may fight each other, scripts do not. Now you can see that you can't base interpretation upon students' profound knowledge of the language the Bible is written in. But if you still can't see that because you're veiled in your mind by tradition, here is one last illustration. No one can doubt that what the scribes and Pharisees and the great scholars of the year 33 AD knew the exact laws of grammar and the exact meanings of the words in which the Old Testament was written, but for all, they superb, but for all their superb knowledge, they missed the revelation of God's promised word manifested in the Son. The person of the Word was standing there, Jesus Christ, and they're still over there looking for His coming and trying to argue out and, and sort out these differences. Now, if it was true then, it would have to be true today as well. And, and I'm, not, I'm not here to, to be on, on this podium and, and on this platform, if you will, because I know of something going on. I'm not. I, I, what, what, I'm, what I'm saying here tonight is there is a correct translation, and it tr transcends what we can comprehend with our minds. 
you know, and some people in sincerity and and in adoration of God and, and desiring to find His plan for their lives, they devote years and uh, untold amounts of money in the pursuit of the knowledge of God. But others find the person of God and know him and have a relationship with him and are of the most basic human understanding or even level of intelligence. So what I'm telling you is, amen, you don't, you won't necessarily, uh, and I, I want to be careful how I say this because Brother Benham did not promote ignorance and the message does not promote ignorance and you don't have to be dumb to be a believer. And you, and you don't have to just, you know, you don't have to throw all reasoning and logic out the window, but don't let that ever get in the way of your faith. That's what I'm trying to tell you because and this, I always get myself in trouble. But I heard a brother many years ago, and he was a wonderful brother, and he said, now, you know, he was speaking of being an electrician. He said, there's laws of electricity, and there's people that are trained in, in how to work with electricity safely. And I see Brother Jaron back there shaking his head because he knows what I'm talking about. So he said, and, and this brother is not an electrician. He said, so I would never go back there and open up that breaker panel and start flipping breakers and tracing wires and trying to figure out why a light bulb comes on. He says, I'm, 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 I'm going to call a trained electrician to deal with that. And, and the reason he was sharing this was because he, he had said that his purpose for being there that day was to explain the body change. And I thought, my, I hope he can do this in an hour and a half. But, you know, but here's, here, was, here was what I wanted to say back to him. Brother, you don't have to understand electricity to go flip a switch and illuminate a room. You don't have to understand the science of everything to derive the benefit of it. And there's a lot of people that don't have the Bible memorized and don't know what all the horse riders were and all the symbols. And, 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 and you, should, you should study in those things. I'm not promoting ignorance. But you don't have to understand all of that or be able to argue it intellectually to be getting a lot of the benefits out of the Word of God by simply believing God and taking Him at His Word and watching those results produce themselves in your life. Amen. So, so I, I hope you, I believe you understand where I'm coming from tonight. All right, so he says here, I've got to find my place. No one can doubt the scribes and Pharisees, but for all their superb knowledge, they miss the revelation of God's promised word manifested in his son. There he was set forth from Genesis to Malachi with whole chapters devoted to him and his ministry. And yet, except for a few who were illuminated by the Spirit, they missed him entirely. Now we come to a conclusion. Such conclusion as we have already found in the Word. As much as we believe in trying to find the oldest and best manuscripts to get the best record of the Word possible. We will never get the true meaning of it by study and comparison of the scriptures, sincere as we may be. It will take a revelation from God to bring it out. That is exactly what Paul said, which things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but 
which the Holy Ghost teacheth. 1 Corinthians 2.13. The true revelation is God interpreting his own word by vindicating what he promised. Now, don't let anyone be misled by what I've said and think that I do not believe in the accuracy of the word as we now have it. I believe this Bible is accurate. Jesus completely authenticated the Old Testament when here on earth, and it was compiled as exactly as was our New Testament. Make no mistake about it. We have the infallible word of God today, and no man dares take from it or add to it. But we need the same spirit that gave it to teach it to us. And as, as and I'm sure you will understand, and so Brother Barry, I'm not taking anything away from Brother Barry's ministry. He's got a wonderful ministry. In fact, I told him today, we were speaking of another country, and I said, I believe these, these believers here would really benefit from having a ministry like yours come in and establish them in the present day truth and even the fundamentals uh, of, of the message we believe today. It, 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 it ministers to people on a different level than just an evangelistic sermon. You need both. You need a balance. You need a good mix. Amen. But Brother Benham said teaching will positionally place you in the word of God. It, it anchors you there where your faith is rock solid, regardless of what your feelings and your emotions and what's going on in the world around you or the, in the outer court or the inner court and all those things. So, uh, But what I'm saying is even Brother Barry can't give you a revelation. Brother Tim can't give you a revelation. Here's a shocker for you. Jesus Christ in the body of flesh cannot give you a revelation because he told Peter and he was standing there with him. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my father, which is in heaven and upon this rock, I will build my church. And I imagine, Brother Sam, there were a lot of people sitting there saying, he's going to build a church on Peter. That guy is the most unstable, inconsistent, unfaithful uh, guy, but he wasn't building it on Peter. He, was, he recognized something was within Peter, amen, that had sprung to life and had been quickened, amen, by recognizing the present day manifestation of the word. And he knew that would take Peter to Pentecost. He knew that would take Peter to the upper room. And when Peter came out of the upper room, he wouldn't be denying and backtracking and trying to apologize and trying to argue everything. He would just say, this is that. This is the translation of Joel's prophecy. This is the translation of Jesus' message. Oh, can I say amen? He wasn't calling for Jesus' return. He was Jesus' return ministry. Because Jesus had returned in the form of the Holy Spirit, living in Peter and authenticating everything he said. Whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. And that privilege is not exclusive to Peter, but to every born again son and daughter of God tonight. Amen. Oh, brother and sister, I feel like preaching now. The United States is a sovereign country. Russia is a sovereign country. Israel is a sovereign country. And all around the world, in even enemy nations, we have embassies. And we have ambassadors. Now, I was thinking just about this, and it's kind of coming out of another message here. But, you know, we often think of ourselves as ambassadors 
of heaven. Born again, sons and daughters of God, we're, 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 we're representing a higher kingdom that we are members of by the grace of God and by the new birth. But I want us to think of that maybe in a little different way. You're not just an ambassador representing the interest of a, of, of a kingdom or a sovereignty. You are an embassy. Everywhere you go, the kingdom of God is present. Amen. Oh, brother, this is wonderful. Because if you are an American citizen, and you should happen to find yourself in Israel or in the Middle East or in Russia or somewhere like that, and penniless, you could be completely destitute, have spent everything that you, that you own or entitled to. You could even be on the run from their law enforcement for having committed crimes against their national laws. But Brother Keith, if you can make it to the gates of your embassy and be admitted into that gates, you are immune from what only moments before was a threat, and you are afforded all of the protections and all of the benefits of the home country that you are a citizen of. That's who we are as sons and daughters of God. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You don't have to bring them to Hickory Bible or Apostolic Tabernacle or Bretham Tabernacle. You are an embassy. You are embodying the very powers and benefits and the executive privileges of the kingdom. You are there, amen, to hand those out and distribute those to all that would come in contact with you. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall speak with new tongues as they take up deadly serpents. It won't harm them. Oh, brother and sister, can I just bring one more? They put two embassies one day in a jail, brother Jeremy. Paul and Silas were not just ambassadors. They were actually embodying the power of a heavenly kingdom. And when they put Paul and Silas in whatever prison or whatever jail they thought belonged to them, they began praising and worshiping God, hallelujah, and the very God of heaven began to recognize, amen, he had two members of his kingdom down there in a worldly prison, and they just began praising God, and the walls and the, and the bars and everything began to shake and crumble apart. And when it was all said and done, there was no more prison, but there was Peter and uh, Paul and Silas, amen, and a Philippian jailer who came into the embassy, and he and his household accepted the salvation of the kingdom. That was free, won't cost you a dime. Brother and sister, this is who we are. See, that's what I'm saying. Day by day, we're going into a greater realization of who we are today. We don't have to look back and admire what God did 2,000 years ago or even 60 years ago. We're walking into something today. That is the very same thing. Now, I maybe just get off my notes here, and I, I am conscious of the time. But, um, you know, translations, uh, languages even, evolve with time. We use phrases today that we didn't use even 10 years ago. I hear the young people, and I hear people say these things, and, and I have to ask them, what does that mean? Because <laughs> I'm not young anymore, right? <laughs> so, so languages evolve, and, and, and even there's this, uh, there's this idea that, uh, you know, we need, we need to modernize. We need to modernize our Bible translations, or, you know, we need to maybe even modernize the message and the prophet's 
words and all these things, you know, and, and friends, the thing about it is that's, that's really not the, 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 that's not the main objective because the only way you will truly understand what the author was saying is to come into relationship with the author. And then it will all begin to make sense. And over time, it, 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 it just comes out of his word. See, it's, um, it's a love affair. And the word of God is a love letter to a specific people. Known as the bride of Christ or the children of God. All right, so we're part of that tonight by the grace of God. Let me continue on here. And so uh, this is from the Pergamon Church Age, a little further, I guess, into the Church Age's book. Have you noticed in Revelation twenty-two seventeen, and the Spirit and the Bride say, "Come, and let him that heareth say, Come." See, it brings you into. You're, you're hearing something, and then you begin, I'll say, echoing the same thing. And, and you know, friends, the, the, the life you live is the sermon you preach. You don't have to be a minister. You don't have to be a singer. You, the life you live is, is, is the gospel being preached to the world around you, your, your children, your, your family, your co-workers, um, schoolmates, all those things. Him that heareth say come. See, the bride speaks the same word as does the spirit. She is a word bride, proving she has the spirit. In every church age, we hear these words. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. The spirit gives the word if you have the spirit you will hear the word for your age as those true christians took the word for their age did you get that last thought because i repeat every church age ends with the same admonition he that hath an ear let him an individual hear what the spirit saith to the churches the spirit gives the word he has the truth for each age Each age has had its own elect, and that elect group always heard the word and received it, proving they had the seed in them. John 8, 47, and he that is of God. How many could say tonight, of God? It doesn't even say... (laughs) from God or belonging to God, it says of God, meaning your origin or your progenitor, if you will, is God. The children of God are the progeny or the offspring or the expression of God. And he that is of God heareth God's words. Ye, Jesus rebuking them, ye therefore hear them not because ye are not of God. Now, you can't tell me they couldn't hear audibly what the man was saying. Absolutely they could, which made them responsible, 
which made them accountable, which made them subject to being judged for rejecting the voice of God. But there was no translator. There was no receiver down the inside to take the words that were striking their ears and make it a revelation or a reality to them. And Jesus said, you are not of God. And you, you, you want, and, and you know, they're saying, well, hey, 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 we don't accept you. You're, you're illegitimate. You're a Galilean. You're a Nazareth. Uh, you're, you're a Canaanite. What? You know, they had all their reasons for rejecting the veil, the flesh. People do the same thing today. Well, we hear some hillbilly from Kentucky with a fifth grade education, dumbing down illiteracy and all those things. Uh, no, that has nothing to do with it. You just don't have an ear to hear. You don't, oh, Brother Tim, you know, I, I, I'm just preaching here. Y'all, pardon me. Brother Tim, I want to be real careful. I'm trying to witness to somebody, but I don't want to choke them. So I'm going to go to the Christian bookstore, and I'm going to get uh, Dr. Dobson and uh, Charles Stanley and Chuck Swindoll. And I'm not knocking those men, but, you know, here's the thing. I'm just going to get to it and say it's like this. You can't choke an eagle with eagle food. You see, what people need to hear is what God has done in our generation and what God is doing. Because there are people that are actually hungering for that. There are people that are realizing the, the other things have dried up. The other fountains, the other streams are dead. And it's all about a form. And it's all about a religion. And it's all about signing your name. And it's all about subscribing to a certain belief system. And they, re they realize that it has no power. It can't change their life. It can't bring real peace and real joy and real satisfaction, real fulfillment. Will you have that? So let your light shine. Let your testimony ring out. Amen. Tell them, hey, here's how God transformed my life. That's my biggest response to people that want to argue the message didn't come from God. Well, uh, the only way my life would be what it is today is because of what God did when I heard this message. So maybe it's just not for you, but it's definitely for me. And don't try to take away what I have to follow after what you very evidently do not have. Because it doesn't seem to be producing more of God in their lives. Amen. Thank God for an ear to hear, brother and sister. Amen. We're really a blessed people. <clears throat> they refused the word Jesus and his word for their days. But the true seed received the word because they were of God. And all thy children shall be taught of God, the Holy Spirit, Isaiah 54, 13. Jesus said the same thing in St. John 6. Being one with the word proves whether you are of God and spirit-filled, no other criterion. So Brother Branham is, is taking away the idea that an emotion or a sensation or some outward even a supernatural manifestation would be the sole evidence that a person is spirit-filled. He said, no, there's only one, and that is being one with the word. And that word for the day, for the hour, for the age, being expressed and manifested in your life. <clears throat> there's something in music and Again, I've probably shared this before, and 
but it's called sympathetic resonance. And I know um, Brother John Cockman know a whole lot more about this than I do, but and some of you perhaps even. But he says um, it says here sympathetic resonance or sympathetic vibration is a harmonic phenomenon. You ever heard this, Brother Keith? You familiar? With? Yeah, you know what this is. It's a harmonic phenomenon wherein a passive string or vibratory body responds to external vibrations to which it has a harmonic likeness. Now, that, that sounds real scientific, but they give an example. The classic example is demonstrated with two similarly, similarly tuned tuning forks. When one fork is struck and held near the other, vibrations are induced in the unstruck fork even though there is no physical contact between them. Now, I could tell you this. There's a, there's a guitar sitting there with six strings, uh, E, A, D, G, B, and E. And they're not, there's nothing to stop those strings from sounding. I could go over there, strum them, pluck them, and, and, and all those strings would sound. But harmonic uh, sympathetic resonance is demonstrated like this. If I sing the note of E, or if I play on that piano and strike the key of E, that guitar, the string that is tuned to E, will begin to sound. Because it's tuned to it. And it cannot help but say amen. Amen. When it hears, <laughs> now you're seeing why you could say amen to something. Somebody else says, boy, that sounded odd. You, they weren't tuned to it, but you were. And it shows you how there's representation down on the inside of every predestinated son and daughter of God. I'll tell you, friend, Peter did not understand what he was following. When Jesus, you know, the 70 had walked away and Jesus turned to the 11 or the 12 and said, will you also go away? Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? He didn't understand it any more than they did. But something in his heart was resonating and answering or echoing. And, and, and Peter was, he had a lot of mistakes. He had a lot of faults. He made, he, he, he blundered almost every time the man opened his mouth. Jesus had to apologize or rebuke the man. But there was something on the inside that was beginning to resonate, Sister Karen. And Jesus kept tuning the string. (laughs) Go tell my disciples and Peter. I'll go before them and meet them there in Galilee. Amen. And that's the thing. He's tuning every one of our lives. And the more you listen to the word of God, and the more you are in your Bibles reading and praying, amen, God is tuning your life. Hallelujah, to be the answer to his voice, to be the echo, to be the expression or the revealed word here on the earth in a people. Even when there's no physical contact, there's an answer. There's, there's, a, there's an amen. All right, let me. So there's, there's something else, and we're, we're going to get done. We might have time to go to cookout. Something else, I, I uh, used to work with a brother, or go to church with a brother, rather, who worked for the Michelin Tire Company 
in uh, South Carolina, down in Columbia. So he's the one who kind of told me about this. So translation, we, we've, we've titled our message tonight, the, the correct translation. The definition, if you look up translation, it gives a, a couple. It says the act, an act, process, or instance of translating, such as rendering from one language into another. The product of such a rendering. Uh, it could be, another definition is to change to a different substance, form, or appearance. We know the, the word I believe the word rapture does not even appear in the text of the Bible. But uh, translation, Enoch was translated. <laughs> he heard something that he answered to. He walked daily and heard something that drew him away from a mortal to immortality without going through the process of death. He was translated. He began to harmonize. He was joined into a spiritual union, an invisible union. There you go. Those two tuning forks, they never make contact. There's no physical connection there whatsoever, but there's an answer. Amen. One sounds and the other answers to it. It's an invisible union or a unity between the two. They are saying the same thing. They may be a different color. They may be a different size. They may have been made two different places. They may, one may be from Africa and one's from North America and one's from Canada. But they're all saying the same thing. Amen. Because they're answering to a master tuning fork that they spun off of or they, they are the, the children of. So it's also, and, and this one kind of mystifies me a little bit, a transformation of coordinates in which the new axes are parallel to the old ones. Now, I don't really understand that one, but I do like this one. The uniform motion of a body in a straight line. And that, that is actually another definition that is, is for what's called translatory or translational motion. And it's described as this. A motion, or motion in which all points of a moving body move uniformly in the same direction. If an object is undergoing translatory motion, we can note that there is no change in the object's orientation. Translatory motion is also known as translational motion. A body is said to be under a perfect translatory motion when the object moves such that all the particles in the object move parallel. Now, some of you are probably sitting there thinking, how does this tie in? So the way this brother who worked at Michelin described it, he said, that's what our robots do. You know, at these great, large manufacturing places, they figured out a long time ago they don't have to hire people. They can hire automated machines to do what the people used to do when they felt like it. And so they call them, they, they, they're robots. But he said, when a robot moves across the floor, 
delivering a tire or moving a part or piece. He said they call that translation. Because within the robot are all kinds of gears and motors and things and sensors. And they're they're usually laser guided. They're looking out for people and objects to get in the way. But, you know, there's all kinds of internal components that are all doing different things. And all turning different directions. But they're all working together. To take this unit or what I would call as a body in a direction. Where everybody that looks on from the outside says, my, look at that thing move. That's a masterpiece. What an invention. My, why didn't I think of that? And they don't see inside all the little gears and all the little trinkets and all the little things clicking and humming and moving in place. And then I wonder sometimes if the world doesn't look at the bride of Christ and say, man, all I see are a bunch of scattered, broken parts, all doing different things. But you know what? God has a body. And I'm thinking when I say this, and this was not in my notes, but I'm thinking of Balaam. He looked at Israel, and he saw a lot of problems. He saw a lot of camps and doctrines and divided people and sin and all these things. But God saw them through an atonement which brought them into a union. And he had a body of people making a journey from what they had been defined to be as slaves and a subhuman people, species of people, to reoccupy what he had given them and to be a unified church of people. And that's how he saw them. And so what I see happening today, friend, pardon me, Brother Barry Coffey is the pastor of Hickory Bible Tabernacle, and we got a bunch of parts and pieces. I'm looking at some of you or most of you tonight, and, you know, sometimes it feels like, man, I'm going a whole different direction. And then just a few miles away are other churches and other pastors, and you know what? And so the world looks and says, well, why don't they just, why don't they just all get together under one? Well, we kind of are. We're under Christ. We're under the revealed word of the hour. We're under the message. But, you know, there's missionaries going all different directions. There's pastors and there's teachers and there's evangelists and prophets. But the Holy Spirit, amen, is giving the signals, is giving the directions, and it's bringing everything into a perfect harmony. So that if anything's out of order, it's, it's not one man or one agency or one denomination or it's not somewhere you know this this central command center you know uh, uh, passing down the orders like all the other denominational churches they need that they need that because they don't have what we have (laughs) and we'll never need that As long as we stay under God's provided sacrifice and God's provided place of worship, amen. And so God is bringing this body, hallelujah, into a harmony and to a unity. And love is binding the church together. Amen. And so what it is, you're finding your placing. I belong here. This is where God has ordained me to be. This is where God has sent me to be a part of this part of his body, universal and worldwide. And the Holy Spirit is doing that, that Christ may be preeminent. 
And it's moving the bride into a translation that will literally one day result in a change from mortal to immortality. You can see that tonight. Amen? See if I can find a place to, to close here. We know uh, Thessalonians 4.16 speaks of a shout and a voice and a trump. And I just want to weave in a few things the prophet of God says when he preached the message, the rapture. He says, and he just read uh, Thessalonians 4.16, he said three things happened. A voice, or he says a shout, a voice, a trumpet has to happen before Jesus appears. Now a shout, Jesus does all three of them. As he's descending, a shout, what is the shout? It's the message. Going forth first, the living bread of life bringing forth the bride. Now, here's what I'm thinking, and this just believe in the Holy Spirit. Remember Ezekiel 37, he went out and looked at a valley of dead, dry bones, and, he's, and, the, and the voice said, Son of man, can these bones live again? He said, Lord, thou knowest. And he said, prophesy. The prophecy <laughs> brought a translation. It called the bones from disorder, disarray, and scattered and dismembered back to their original order. That is what the message has done. And all it can do is call the bones that were once together back together. Job, where were you when the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy? That's all he had to tell Job to lift him out of despair. You're going back to where you came from. No matter what you're in right now, brother and sister, you're going back to where you came from. You may be on an ash heap. You may be in bankruptcy. You may be in what looks like a failed marriage or a divided home or all those things. Friend, you're going back. The message is calling you back, amen. And so the word of God is going forth and it, 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 it's, it's, it's having the effect of the sympathetic resonance, amen, and it's producing translatory motion by bringing the body of Christ into a perfect order, amen, where no one looking from any particular angle may see that, but Jesus Christ is looking at the whole and saying it's right on time, it's right on schedule, it's exactly everything is in God's perfect order, and we can rest in that. Let me find this uh, paragraph 141. The first thing comes when he starts descending from heaven. There's a shout. What is it? It is a message to get the people together. A message comes forth first. Now, lamp trimming time. Rise and trim your lamps. What watch was that? The seventh, not the sixth. Rise and trim your lamps. And he goes on and talks about the foolish virgins didn't have the oil. In verse, or paragraph 164, therefore the message calls the bride together. See, the shout. It won't have that effect on any other category of people. If it does, it's only gathering the tares for the burning. Just as you saw a, just in Jesus' day, and I, I'm, I'm conscious of the time. In Jesus' day, you saw political forces and even um, ecumenical powers that were 
at odds prior to him coming to the height of his ministry. They were at odds with each other until he rose to prominence. And then they put their differences aside and made an alliance. They're, they converged. That's the word I'm looking for. Those powers converged to unify against a kingdom that was rising. The same thing is going on today. The message is the, has the most polarizing effect of anything that has struck the earth. Because it is the shout to call the bride together to gather the bride, to meet the bridegroom in the air, and to send the harlot daughters back to mother, and to bring everything up under one world council of churches, new world order, you fill in the blank, amen. But there's a greater unifying taking place by the shout that's gone forth. And it's producing the correct translation of the Bible and it's producing a complete there is you, you hear sometimes people say well if you had to choose one which would you choose the Bible or the message it's a silly argument they're both the word of God they're both the word of God in fact they are together the word of God one speaks of the other one foretells the other Jesus foretold of a ministry coming future ahead that would be his ministry in a prophetic office to wrap up everything that has to be completed and revealed before he returns. Amen. So we're part of that this evening, brother and sister. Now, let me move to close here. The first seal, the prophet of God says, oh, he, he's uh, talking about how Jesus will appear there, um, uh, or Revelations 11, and he'll say, oh, I got them in the house of my friends. He, oh, they'll... Then they'll realize that they have killed the Messiah. But what will he say the same as Joseph did? You did it to save life. Don't be angry with yourselves because the Gentiles would not have been brought in if the Jews hadn't done that blindfolded trick. So he saved the life of the church by the things that they done. He's speaking of, uh, speaking of the, the Jews in Jesus' day and how he brought in a Gentile bride as a result of their blindness. That's the reason today they can't understand this. Speaking of the message, it, it isn't the hour. I've probably said this before, but I'll say it again. Rest your faith in this. There is a divinely appointed time for God to perform every promise of his word in your life. And only until that time arrives will it fulfill, and you have to believe until... You may not see it happen today. You may not see it happen tomorrow, but hold your faith steady. God said it. It's mine. I believe it. And he will perform it. And I'm not backing up from it. After all, he said it. And I believe it. So I'm going to watch the fulfillment of it. Amen. And friends, if you back away from it, that's, that's, that only lessens the chances it will happen. But in that being said, unbelief doesn't stop God. It only stops you many times from benefiting or seeing God answer the promise of his word. No more. And so Brother Rev says that's the reason today they can't understand this. It isn't the hour. No more could we understand these things until the time comes for it to be understood. I don't know why I'm doing, saying this, but 
well, I, I, I kind of do know why, because it's how the devil works. Sometimes, and I've seen this done through my life, you will see something. It'll be quickened to you. And you know, you think, why doesn't everybody see this? And we forget only five minutes before we didn't see it. Or it'll be, you know, a movement or a doctrine or a ministry. And they say, well, if you don't see this, you're just not in. You're not bride. You're foolish virgins. You're cross. Well, remember, there's a divinely appointed time. And thank God you did see it. But have a little patience with the one who doesn't see it yet. And love him and believe God to reveal. Because you can impart that. And I think sometimes we probably beat people to death with quotes and scriptures. And, oh, why can't you see this? Friend, they will one day. Just live it in front of them. <laughs> Love. We, we, Brother Talking recently just, just really began coming and, and following the message and, and really taking a stand and, you know, consecrating his life. And he's starting to get attacked, you know, by family members of other denominations and ministries and all these things. And, and he, he was just talking about it. He said, I had to resist the urge to retaliate, you know, put them in their place and, 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 and go back on Facebook, you know, and, and answer these things. He said, he said I had to delete a, a relative's, a family member's account. And he said, I know that sounds petty, but friends, that's the truth. Love them. Live the life. Let them see that no matter what they say, what they do, or how they treat you does not change your attitude or disposition toward them at all. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. That's what converted Paul. When Stephen's life matched Jesus as he was being crucified on the cross, that's what gripped Saul. He said, I just can't get away from that. Oh, friend, you talk about a translation. The man knew the Old Testament. Brother Sammy knew the letter. He'd spent his entire life. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. But one day he met the translation of the New Testament. Not even the man Jesus Christ, but he met the redeemed body of Christ living on the earth. And the translation won him over. And that's the translation I want tonight, brother and sister. I want this word to live in my life. Behold, I send you, Elijah the prophet. You are the message that the world will be saved or lost by today. Your life will be the witness that they will either accept or reject and be judged accordingly. So, friend, let's be a good one. Let's be a good translation of the message. You know, a good translation is not trying to cut corners. It's not trying to see how much we can get by with or do away with or de declassify or reclassify as a result of it having been said so many. No, the, the, the correct translation is that message lived. And that'll have the most compelling effect against all unbelief. And if they'd like to come to the music, I, I do want to say this tonight. And again, not because I'm here and, and not because it's being recorded or broadcast. But there, we're living in, in the hour of apostasy that we once placed out in the ranks of secular Christendom or religion by saying, you know, the, 
the rejected Christ we see in Revelations was placed outside of the door by the modern church world, the denominations, even Protestantism. And now we're realizing it's a little closer to home. Sure, he was rejected. Sure, the prophet's ministry was rejected. And the third pull was for the bride and to the totally lost. And we saw that in his ministry, but now we're seeing it again. So there's, here's what I want to say, and I I hope you can bear with me. Everyone who is supposed or allegedly leaving the message may not altogether be leaving the message. They may be leaving a ministry that they eventually realized was completely off the message. But that's the only message they ever had presented to them. So what they need is the correct translation of the message. And that's on us. That's on us to show them and I'm not saying compromise I'm not saying make excuses or art in no way no friend that won't win them if they're a true elect predestinated son and daughter of God this message will win them back but what I'm saying is don't get a denominational mentality of oh you left well that's it close the door no more you know brass friends let God be the judge of that But you love them with the same love we love any unconverted or unreached person and let God reveal the actual message to them because some of these people just simply left ministries they realized were a fraud and never believed the message but used the message as a vehicle. And some do that. Some borrow from the message what they need to be the vehicle that their ministries ride on. God help us not to be pulled into something like that. But, but you see what I'm saying? And so God help us to be the correct translation so that we can be the spirit and the bride. Say come. To our young people, to those who have grown discouraged, have gone sidelined, Amen. Hey, friends, let's be the right translation to them. Let, let the message live in you and I. Don't, don't try to preach the do's and don'ts altogether as rules and regulations. Let it live through your life and watch it have the effect on your life and the lives of those around you. Amen. Would you like to stand this evening? That, I believe, that's the correct translation. Oh, my. Brother Keith... I don't know what key you're in there. What is that key? Mm, I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as as I walk let me walk close to thee how many Enochs do we have in the service tonight all just a closer walk with thee oh granite Jesus 
Jesus, draw me close. Maybe give F or something there. Jesus, draw me close. Closer, Lord, to Thee. Let the world around me fade away. continue to play that song, I'd just like to give you an opportunity tonight to bow.
bow your heads and close your eyes. Just reflect on your life here for just a moment. Maybe the Lord has spoken to your heart tonight. Maybe the Lord is trying to do a little tuning just to pull you up to more perfectly resonate with his word. And maybe there's something that's been, he just put his finger on tonight and say, Lord Jesus, take that from me. Lord, mold and shape my life for me, Lord. Let that, let that revelation prevail, Lord. Let your word, Father God, craft my life to your very image. That's your desire tonight, friends. I will assure you that's not your desire. It's his desire being reflected in your heart. And I believe he'll come this evening and grant it. Say, Lord Jesus, give me grace. Friend, we're, we're, we're nearing the end of time. You know that. You see all the world stage now set perfectly. The Lord could come in the next five minutes and take his bride home, and it wouldn't be too soon. Maybe something would just strike your heart and say, Lord Jesus, make me ready, Lord. I want to love you more than ever, Lord. I want to reflect you more than ever. I, I want to be, Lord God, that the, a, a real translation, Lord. Uh, 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 the word lived today in a context, Lord, that will let me be, Lord, an, an embassy of your kingdom that others could run to me and find salvation, healing, safety, deliverance. Friends, that's, that's exactly what happens when you really get in tune with him. And if that's your desire tonight, just, just lift your hand to him. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I'm not facing an audience tonight, Lord, of drunks and drug addicts and prostitutes, Lord, or people just coming off the streets. But Lord, I'm facing a group of people that have accepted you, Lord, and are walking in your footsteps. Lord, if there be one tonight that doesn't have that assurance in their heart that they've been filled with the Spirit of God, sealed into your kingdom, oh God, may such a hunger and thirst grip them, Lord, that they would go and before you, Lord, in prayer and seeking you, Lord, and, and just yearning and lying before you, Lord, until you quicken, Lord, and, and fulfill your very desire within their lives. But Lord, for these tonight, and we're saying, Lord, just draw me closer. Take the things of the world or just even the cares of life that so often become a distraction. Lord, let me look upon your face. And, and enter into a deeper intimacy, Lord, with you. Let your desires and your will and your word, Lord, reveal itself in me. Grant it tonight, Lord. May it manifest in healing. Let there be one tonight suffering, Lord, with sickness or even a, a spiritual torment, Lord, depression or something, Lord, warring at their spirit. Father God, as a as one of your servants, Lord, a minister of the gospel, 
Lord, by the power vested in me, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I rebuke Satan. You have no right to put any, any one of your fingers on any of God's children. Take your lying spirit and leave Satan. They're God's. He bled and died for them and raised for them. Let them walk in liberty and freedom. Lord, may, the, may you just perform. I, I couldn't say it all, Lord, but you can. Your spirit, Lord, can give utterance tonight in the ears of each of your children. Oh, God, may they hear healing tonight. May they hear deliverance tonight. May they hear salvation tonight, Lord. May it echo through their lives. Grant it, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. May it go, Lord, into the homes right now. May it go, Lord, there to Brother Barry and Sister Becky. Oh, God, may it go around the, everywhere this message would be heard, Father God. May the Spirit of God accompany it, Lord Jesus. Lord, to find a bedding ground of faith in the hearts of your children. Lord, that would mark a change, a healing. Lord, rising up from a bed of affliction, Lord, or whatever condition it may be. Oh, God, for your glory and honor, we ask it. We believe it, Father God, and we speak it tonight by faith, believing it is your desire, Father God. The third pull is in effect now. Lord, the word of God, hallelujah, Lord, is echoing now in the hearts and lives of your believing children. Lord, to make us the, the word lived in the earth today. Grant it, Father God. I, I thank you, Lord, from the bottom of my heart for this portion of your body which is gathered here tonight. May your word, Lord, uh, resound within their hearts. May the little things I've shared, Lord, oh God, just encourage and strengthen them in their walk with you. Grant it, I pray. Bless every effort of this church, Lord, for the upbuilding of your kingdom. The gospel is spreading around the world today, Lord, by the, the, the efforts, Lord, and, and the harmony of what you're doing. We thank you for that, Lord. Prepare us, Lord, and ready us for your coming, which we know is nigh. We give you the thanks for it. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's sing that. Is, is there any other announcements or anyone that say anything before we dismiss? Let's sing that song again, brother. Keith, Jesus, draw me as we're dismissed. Jesus, draw me close, closer, Lord, to Thee, let the world around to worship and obey Oh Jesus draw me close closer Lord to you and let all the world around me, fail.
Bless you this evening. 